You're listening to the Holy Listening Podcast, the show for burned out and stressed out helpers, healers, and space holders. Together, we take a sacred pause to reconnect body, mind, and spirit and build a community committed to cultivating lives of meaning and purpose. I'm your host, Megan Malik, a professional listener, light shiner, and spiritual midwife and healer who's in recovery herself from a life of performance, people-pleasing, and burnout. Hi, welcome to episode six of the Holy Listening Podcast, where we take a sacred pause for body, mind, and spirit. I'm your host, Megan. Each episode, we practice together and explore ways to listen to our wise selves. Episodes are a pause and a breath. Today is the second episode focusing on grief. After we engage in grounding and orienting together, we will contemplate how befriending our grief awakens an aliveness in us. That's right, you heard me correctly. An aliveness. We will look at Francis Weller, psychotherapist, writer, and soul activist's concept of apprenticing ourselves to sorrow as a means of moving through what he calls the gates of grief. And in that way, we affirm our interconnection with one another, creation, and we become fully alive. If it is right for you and your body, and you are in a space that is safe enough to slow down and join me, I invite you to pause. Allow your body-mind to observe and notice the sensation of your feet on the floor. Are they on carpet, tile, hardwood, maybe even dirt or sand? How does that feel? Hot, cold, rough, smooth or bumpy? If you are sitting, notice the sensation of your chair or sofa or perhaps the ground. Take a moment and really allow your body to feel the support of Mother Earth and gravity. You do not need to do any work in this moment. Gravity and Mother Earth are holding you. They are always here for you. You are held. Now take a moment and notice your breath. Without trying to change anything, simply notice it. Are you breathing in through your nose or your mouth? What does the air feel like? Is it cool or warm? How does it feel for your chest and belly to expand? Is it tight or uncomfortable? Soothing and gentle? Is it dizzying to notice your breath? In the next moment, allow your body to feel the support of your breathing. You breathe in and out all day long, every day. 
This is a resource for you, your breath. Just like the ground and gravity, your breath is always available to you. Now that we've allowed our body-minds to ground together in this present moment, we are going to take a moment together to orient visually. Take about 30 seconds to turn your head to the right and then to the left. Notice your visual landscape. If it's right, turn your head all the way around like an owl so that you can see behind you. Notice what you see and hear and smell. Grounding and orienting is a ritual and practice. It's like a centering practice in mindfulness or contemplative prayer practice, meditation or yoga. The specific term grounding and orienting comes from somatic experiencing as developed by Peter Levine. However, the reality is, slowing down and noticing our body and our breath and where we are, grounding and orienting, this is ancient wisdom, and it is available to you anytime, any place throughout the day. Often, when we talk about grief, we think about death, divorce, or other major losses, and indeed, Francis Weller says this is the first gate of grief, reckoning that everything that we love, we will lose. However, today we're not focusing on that aspect of grief. We're going to focus on the other four gates. I believe they really connect with my mathematical equation, the change equals loss, loss equals grief, and grief equals growth. These gates are like trailheads in the wilderness of grief. They help us see where we are, take a look around, recognize we're not alone. And Weller would say, as we face these parts of ourselves and we move through these gates, we actually cultivate a wise, wise adult and we develop joy and a capacity to really fully embrace our life. So what would the second gate be? The second gate is grief of what we'd rather not acknowledge. You may remember back a couple episodes, we talked about our inner critic. Well, sometimes the inner critic is a part we don't want to acknowledge, or other times our inner critic hides other parts of ourselves, shamed parts, exiled parts, vulnerable parts the part of ourselves that learned not to cry when we were little or not to ask a curious question. Sometimes these parts are even the habits that we have that we're ashamed to admit that we have, biting our fingernails, watching too much Netflix, having another glass of wine. We feel such shame about this that we cut these parts of ourselves off. This is a deep grief. The third gate, according to Weller, is grief for the world's sorrows, humankind and our earth, the plants and the animals. So if you are someone listening that has judged yourself for the fact that you tear up when you listen to NPR or watch the news 
or read an article online because you see the suffering of so many people, Weller would say you are right where you should be. It is appropriate to grieve the sorrows of the world. Now, I'm not saying if you've discovered that actually limiting some of your news helps your mental health, that you should go full on and binge the sorrow of the world. That's not what I'm saying. I do, however, want to invite you to honor that your grief with the sorrow of the world, with the dying of the bees and the fireflies, with the changes that are happening in nature, with gun violence, with the war overseas in Ukraine, that those would be griefs that are appropriate and natural to have. The fourth gate of grief, according to Weller, is what we expected to receive and did not. When we're young, often we have longings in our heart and we offer them. But if they don't fit with what the world expects or wants of us, sometimes those gifts are not received. So we shove them down. We put a mask on. We become the person we think we're supposed to be. Weller says we become spiritually unemployed. We lose our sense of belonging to one another and to this planet. And that actually it's getting reconnected with our longing inside and our belonging and how that gift within ourselves when we give it to one another is what helps us heal from that grief. And the fifth gate he talks about is ancestral grief. Now, you may be familiar with the concept of trauma and intergenerational trauma through the pandemic. There's been a lot of talk about that. While Weller doesn't dismiss that idea, he just invites us to consider that we also carry inside of us the grief of our ancestors, grief that our ancestors' bodies held that lives in our bodies, and that as we learn to become embodied with ourselves and to practice ritual and to do some of the practices we've been talking about through this podcast, that we move through grief and that we become more alive, more awake, more aware. I'm going to move right into a poem by Naomi Shaib Nye. Then we'll talk about how you can live with the grief this week and notice the gates of grief. I'm going to this poem because I think it really offers the spiritual value of learning to live with our grief. It's Kindness by Naomi Shaib Nye. Before you know what kindness really is, you must lose things. Feel the future dissolve in a moment, like salt in a weakened broth. What you held in your hand, what you counted and carefully saved, all of this must go, so you know how desolate the landscape can be between the regions of kindness. How you ride and ride, thinking the bus will never stop. The passengers eating maize and chicken will stare out the window forever. Before you learn the tender gravity of kindness, you must know where the Indian in a white poncho lies dead by the side of the road. You must see how this could be you. How he, too, was someone who journeyed through the night with plans and the simple breath that kept him alive. Before you know kindness as the deepest thing inside, 
you must know sorrow as the other deepest thing. You must wake up with sorrow. You must speak it till your voice catches the threads of sorrow and you see the size of the cloth. Then it is only kindness that makes sense anymore. Only kindness that ties your shoes and sends you into the day to gaze at bread. Only kindness that raises its head from the crowd of the world to say, It is I who you've been looking for. And then goes everywhere like a shadow or a friend. So may you know that your apprenticeship with sorrow helps cultivate not only compassion, but kindness. Should you choose to begin befriending your sorrow, here is a practice you can take with you. If you are a journaler, journal, a drawer, draw, or perhaps you're somebody who likes to make voice memos, whatever it is, the practice you're going to engage this week is a way of dialoguing, dialoguing with sorrow to see if sorrow will whisper in your ear about the gates of grief that you are near, that you've walked through, perhaps that you rest by, or that beckon you. You want to take 10 to 20 minutes a day at the beginning of the day or the end to simply reflect on sorrow and pain. What does sorrow say to you? Next week, we will move forward and look at how we can live with the sorrow and the pain that emerges in us as we heal, and we'll take an honest and compassionate look at the ways that our self-care may sometimes contribute to pain rather than actually helping us soften it. Until then, blessings, peace, and namaste. Thanks for joining us this week on the Holy Listening Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, I invite you to go to the show notes and learn a little bit more or to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you're interested in reading more about me, the work I do, or in gaining some free resources to take your sacred pause a little longer, you can find me through my website or my contact page. Quick disclaimer. Holy Listening is a podcast for educational and entertainment purposes only. It is not therapy. If you find yourself needing support, please reach out to a mental health professional in your community.